Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's happening, guys? Happy Tuesday, and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. Well, guys, the new year is off to a bang, and coming up on today's show, I've got an avalanche of MMA news for you. The London card is rounding out, and we got an exciting lightweight fight that's conspicuously missing a big name. Sean Strickland also notched a win this weekend, but before I talk about all of that, we gotta begin with the biggest news of all. Francis Ngannou is gone from the UFC. John Jones versus Surreal is set for UFC 285. And we're left with a whole lot of questions about it. Allow me to try to find some answers for you right now. Stacy Keebler, you guys remember her? Keebler was in the WWE. She was associated with George Clooney for a number of years. Went on Dancing with the Stars. Did a really, really uh, good job on Dancing with the Stars. So, Stacy Keebler. Okay, now picture this. Vince McMahon in his office at Titan Tower. Vince is having a conversation with The Undertaker. Stacy Keebler calls up, gets a hold of somebody in the office that walks in and interrupts Vince's meeting. Says, hey... Stacy Keebler's on the phone, and she wants, and she started making demands in this particular case, it was just a private locker room, and it was going to be serviced with food. She gets to the arena, she'll have her own locker room, she'll have some level of catering for it. So the guy comes in and tells Vince, I got Stacy on the phone, and here's what she needs. And you, you must understand, this happened because she went on Dancing with the Stars. Vince gave her a hiatus to go do this thing, which she did really, really well and got a whole bunch of attention and now decided that when she comes back to Vince, things are going to be different. So Vince, while talking to Taker, stops a minute to listen to this guy say that Stacy needs her own locker room with fruit and had something to do with pineapple. And at any rate, Vince looked up to the guy and said, fire her, and goes right back to his conversation with The Undertaker. So about another 20 seconds go by and this gentleman is still standing there. So Vince looks back and says, could I help you with something? And he says, well, I got to know how to handle this Stacy Keebler thing. She's literally on hold, Vince. Vince said, I already told you, fire her. Goes back and finishes what he was doing with The Undertaker. Now, Stacy was never seen in the WWE again. One thing that you <clears throat> must learn, and I'm hoping that you just did, if you're in a negotiation... You can only push the other person so far. When you push them to a certain point, and they're going to have tells. They're going to have tells where people always get confused. Is when I am at my tell and I and I and I reveal that to you, you don't know that was my tell. I mean, right? A big one that people will go through is this is my best and final offer. Now, if somebody says that. 
You should know that is the point, but some people don't use that language. They would use a different language, and you really don't have a way to know, but one thing that you do find out when they blow up is you can only push the person so far before they say, I'm done. It's just like putting air in a balloon when all of a sudden it pops. It doesn't then give you an opportunity to let a little bit of the air out, to let a little more of the air out. Okay, we, we wanted all of these pieces here. Oh, well, let's... Let's just back it up down to the framing. We, we can still get that right. No, when the balloon pops, we're done. I don't know, and I don't know that we ever will know what went on with the negotiation of Francis, but I thought Francis was pleasant. I mean, I remember when Francis fought Surreal. He shows up to the press conference. He looks fantastic. He's got this beautiful suit on. And he very calmly answered questions that were asked of him. And somebody in the media had that information. Francis didn't bring it up. Francis didn't bring up, hey, we're in a negotiation. I need a carve out. I want to go box with Fury. Kevin Ioli teed him up. And when Francis did answer it, he was very polite. He was very calm. He didn't raise his voice. He didn't use profanity. But he did tell us that he just needed a carve out to be able to go and box Fury. I, I only wonder is was that accurate? It would seem as though it would be impossible to spend 12 months of back and forth if it's only one thing. It would, it would just seem difficult to do. We were told there was many meetings and many dinners, and I, I, I know the gentleman, Markel, that was representing him from CAA, was not at another point in this process representing him. Francis went on, went in alone. And if all it was was a carve-out to be able to go and box Fury, it would seem like a lot of those meetings didn't need to take place. And so therefore, I just speculate for you. There Was there other things? Was there more things? Because that can be tough. You got a guy that's got eight things, and you can go meet him on five. Five concessions you never wanted to make, but you do make it? Or what about if a guy's got eight things and you concede on all eight, but then he adds a ninth and a tenth? I have no evidence that that's what happened here. None. I will just tell you, it is a surprise for me that it would take one year of, hey, I need a carve-out to go box. Hey, we don't do that. This seemed like it's an interesting spot. It seemed like it's a really tough spot. At some point, so much air went in that balloon that the balloon popped. At some point, Stacy, not only thinking she in a locker room, but that somebody's going to go and get her fruit, more specifically pineapple, got her walking papers. The situation of what you do now is extremely complex. It's very, very complex. It would seem as though, it would seem as though Francis had a bird in the hand, right? If he had a bird in the hand, the way that would look is some promoter somehow got a hold of him, and it was probably through different people, so they could all say that they were separated in one of these situations, and they laid out something that looked very beautiful. The problem with that is if a promoter did that, he would be found out. And that would not go over well with other promoters. 
And that would be a really big problem if you had a guy that came in through the back door, attempted to do damage to your brand, and brought a guy in, even if he goes and holds that event. You've now created an enemy. It's possible. It's very possible. It's just an interesting thing to try to believe is real. And time matters, guys. Oh my goodness, does time matter. I mean, that, that is so glaringly obvious for us, but we all then think that we're the one exception to that. We, we, we really do. I mean, we have proof. We don't have to wonder. Tito Ortiz versus Chuck Liddell, part one, huge business. Part two, even bigger business. Part three, 30 years later, nobody watched. And timing matters. It wasn't that Chuck and Tito don't work. It was Chuck and Tito separated by generations didn't work. I'm stating the obvious. I know that I am. But what is that time? You got a guy who's been removed from the ring for one year. Okay. And there's even a rumor that he's going to go and do a different sport, even a rumor that he's going to go and make up a sport. But that person that he's going to go and do the sport and make up a sport with already has an opponent and hasn't been talking about doing that. Now, maybe you change the conversation. Maybe, maybe you could put a patch in this boat. You could plug the whole thing up. But is that today? Could you do that today? All right, great. Could you do it next month? Okay, fine. Could you do it four months from now? And things change very, very quickly. If John Jones gets trashed by Surreal Gone, the Francis world stays open. The idea of Francis, the return of Francis, the asterisk next to the heavyweight division, the true champion that never, all of those doors reopen if Francis has friends in the media that open those doors. I don't know what his relationship is. But I, I know a number of fighters that think, well, if I do this, they can't deny me. I'll hear them say it. Well, what are they going to say if I beat this guy? Well, what are they going to do if I do this? They'll have no choice but give me a title fight. You better have some friends within the media to do it in the first place. That's the very first thing you have. Have you been good to the people? When people called you and wanted interviews, when they reached out to you, did you do good things for them? Because if you didn't, Five months from now, they're not coming in talking about you, just so you know. I mean, this is a game like anything else. How did you build it? Where are your bridges? Have you collected your army so your troops can go out in battle? Now, I'm not giving Francis a hard time at all. I, this, this is hard for me. Th this is a life-changing decision. But was it for the better or was it for the worse, right? You just we need a little bit of time to tell. I always accept fighters for their word. And their word is, I'm a prize fighter. You give me a prize, I'm going to come fight. That's what I accept. But guys aren't always like that. And it's hard to get two of them to beat to the same drum. Very, very hard. There are stars out there that will only fight guys if they're a three-to-one favorite. Not only does everyone have to think I can beat this guy, I've got to think I can beat this guy. The audience has to believe I can beat this guy. This guy's team has to believe that I can beat him. Everybody must believe that I'll beat him. In which case, I'll show up and try to do just that. But there are other guys, equal draw, equal star power, that will not step in there unless they're a 3-to-1 underdog. 
I want absolutely no pressure on me. I want nobody to expect anything. I'm supposed to go get trounce so that if I do, everything's fine and I get the bravado and the bravery for stepping into such a hard situation. They never do it for the win. I mean, just, just so you understand, these big, these big name guys, these champions, these guys that you're looking up to, they never make a decision based on the win. The entire decision that they will put into a match for what I should be paid, what the placement on the card be, how many rounds, where we're going to do it is for if I lose. Nobody wants paid to show up. Nobody wants paid to win. Nobody cares about the bumps and the bruises it takes. That's all made up and that's in your mind. Every decision the fighter will make before he comes to the table and decides if he's going to do that contest is how will it look if I lose? So what do you do now? Where do you go from here? You go fight easy guys and you try to make some money? I mean, there's a cap on that stuff. There's a real cap. There's guys that have to have opponents. Most athletes, they have to have an opponent to draw. Francis did not draw when the opponent was perfect, and that was in Surreal. So what do you what do you do now? Interesting spot. I and I hear people. I wish I could read a comment because there's there's 50 like it. But I hear people say in the comment section, Francis is just going to go do an easy fight for a whole bunch of money. Okay. Where? And against who? And for how much? next for Francis, right? What's next? Now, I wish I could go into the comment section and hold up and, and show you a theme, a theme of a message, because I've gotten so many. There's so many people that have the same idea and the same theme, which is Francis is going to go make a whole bunch of money fighting much easier opponents. That's the answer. And then a couple of guys will even expand on that. He's going to fight for a whole bunch of money with easier opponents and then return to the UFC and return at a much higher value. Okay. Who's he going to fight? What's the money going to be? I mean, it's, it's one of these really bizarre things where people will just come out and make a statement. He's going to get a whole bunch of money. He's going to fight easier opponents. Okay, what, what is a whole bunch of money? I mean, we have a bar that we can judge it off of, which is what he was making. We have another bar, which is what he was offered and could have been making. So what is a whole bunch of money, and who are these opponents? Who's going to sign that? And it's, it's an interesting spot. And believe it or not, even as you hear me based on my tone, I'm pulling for him here. I'm pulling for him, and I'm interested. I just have to also look at reality. I mean, at some point, I've got to stare reality right in the face. And the reality is there's only been a handful of fighters 
who could draw, who were interesting, who you guys wanted to see, regardless of who their opponent was. And there's only a couple right now. I could do damn near anything I wanted in any sport I wanted with Nate Diaz. That'll work. I could do damn near anything in any weight class with Conor McGregor. And you want to know who the third one is? You guys aren't going to like this. You want to know who the third one is that could do anything that he wants? Jake Paul. And that's not going to be true forever. But whatever Jake does next and first in MMA, it could be against the slam dunk champion. It could be it. That's going to work. Now, adversely, we put Francis into a mega fight with Surreal Gone. A mega fight. The single greatest storyline in heavyweight history. That's true. And I won't tell you what it drew. But I will tell you it got outdrawn by Oliveira versus Gaethje. Just so you understand. So what do we do now? Who do we go with? Who's the guy? And who, who are these people that you think are just going to go write these checks? I mean, that's also another baffling one for me. I got to read those comments. Here's what he's going to do. With who? Right? Like there's a value and there's a number. And that value and that number used to be juxtaposed against the number of the Ultimate Fighting Championship. The Ultimate Fighting Championship is still going to be the one that juxtaposes the number. That number just changed from seven figures to zero. If I was going to get in the sweepstakes, I'm competing against seven figures. If I'm going to get in the sweepstakes, I'm now competing against zero. Whoever the first guy to the table is with $1 is now the high bidder. So where does this whole bunch of money come from? What are we comparing against that? And there are promoters, believe me, I, I've seen them over time, that will negotiate against themselves. For sure. But if you're the only one at the table, if you don't have an opponent, how much can you do? Are we doing checkers? Is it one night only? Are we playing a game of chess? Are we setting something up? Are we looking to the future? I don't have the answers to this. It's a very precarious position. I read the comments by the fans that say he's going to go make $10 million boxing with somebody. There was some guy that posted, oh my goodness. He said, the boxing world is Francis's oyster. Now, if you ever use the comparison and call something your oyster, you're a weird dude. Just to start with. I mean, oysters are slimy and they're disgusting. So if you ever use it, you're a weirdo. He did use it, and then he stated who? Fury and Wilder. And he threw one more in there. He threw three boxers in there. The boxing was Francis's oyster, and he's got his choice. He's got to pick him. He could be in there with Fury or Wilder or Usyk. Okay. Fair enough. And I don't know where those things come from. I don't know where those pipe dreams and those ideas come from. But it works half the time. Believe me, I see politicians doing it all the time. They'll come out and they'll tell you what a problem is. They'll never state for you of how they're going to deal with it or how they're going to fix it. They'll just tell you what the problem is. So now you got the fans doing that. France, are you going to go make a whole ton of money against easier opponents? Which, first off, man, i got to stop you right there. You don't, you don't know who's who. You don't know what an easy opponent is. 
There was a guy with no experience that stumbled to America and somehow got licensed. He got licensed because he had a whole bunch of muscles and his hair was kind of long and he was interesting. He had no background and he had no chance. You couldn't tell me who his coach was. You to this day could not tell me what the gym he trained at was. You would have nothing on the guy. Oh, by the way, that guy is named Francis Ngannou. So when you come and you act as though you know who's who, you know what an easier opponent is or harder opponent is, you don't. You would have no way to know. You don't have enough reference. You don't have enough beta, uh, database. You never thought Sergey Pavlik was a good fighter until two fights ago. The truth is in that division, Daniel Cormier could take that tie off, enter the cage, and still be champion to this day. You don't really know who's out there. You don't really know who's who. You don't really know who's going to draw. You don't really know where this money is coming from. You really don't know if this boxing is a real deal. So it's a tough and it's an interesting spot. I do think that you need to keep one thing in mind, which is when we talk about what Conor McGregor is going to do when he returns, the leading candidate for that sweepstakes is Nate Diaz. Now, you know that Nate has been released. You know that Nate is a free agent. You know that before that happened, Nate was offered Connor, and he said no. And you're right on all of those things. The leading candidate is still Nate Diaz. When you're a free agent, you're free to go anywhere. You're not banned from over here. And for whatever reason you would want to enter free agency before coming back, Possibly a bad decision, but I just want to let you know. Free agent means you're free to go anywhere. That includes take a little time, take your oars out of the water, recover, watch what happens, and possibly return. UFC 283 is taking MMA action to the next level. Guys, this Saturday, there are two titles on the line, and one bout is a historic UFC match with Figueredo facing Moreno for the fourth time. Check out DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. New customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. I got to tell you, we know Figueredo can beat Moreno, but we know Moreno can beat Figueredo. We even know these boys can go to a draw. Why? Because we've seen it all happen, but something's coming down to the fourth title, and somebody is leaving there with the world championship. You want even more excitement? Get in on the playoff action all weekend. Download the app right now. Use the promo code CHAIL, and new customers bet $5 on UFC 283, Get $200 in free bets instantly. That's code CHAIL this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. Minimum age eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Guys, I'm so thankful for our next partner, Athletic Greens. Not only have they sponsored this episode, but they've also helped me make life easier. I started taking Athletic Greens 1 in 2020, and I haven't stopped. I needed something that I could take to cover all my vitamins, supplements, and gut health, but I hate taking pills. 
it's annoying and time-consuming to take a bunch of different pills, patterns, and tablets with AG1. I don't have to do that, but I get all my nutrients in. AG1 is so much more than a greens powder. It's all your key health products in one. I just mix one small scoop of AG1 with water, down it, and I'm done. AG1 is also great for recovery. I usually take mine before I work out or even after when I need a boost during the day. I can get a nice mental and physical boost without experiencing a caffeine crash later in the day. It also costs less than $3 a day. Pretty good if you ask me. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash That's athleticgreens.com slash Check it out. So, Surreal versus Jones in March. Stipe is up next. Stipe's got dibs. He is going to take on the winner in July. Okay. Looks like we finally got some clarity in the heavyweight division, right? So, and by the way, I got to tell you, Whenever a guy calls a shot like this, whenever, whenever he calls, I've got dibs. And then he also puts the perfect month in there. <laughs> it warms my heart. I, I mean, it really does. If he would have named, you know, if he would have named, we're going to play in this same stadium that the Cleveland Indians do baseball at. Like, if he would have just kept making it better and better for himself, it would have made me happier and happier. But, okay, we got some clarity, right? Now, you want to know who's okay with it? Curtis Blades. Yeah. Curtis Blades came out and he said, it's about who puts asses in seats, who puts eyeballs on TV screens, so right now it's not me. It's surreal. Is that is that accurate? Is that accurate, guys? Is John Jones versus Surreal a bigger fight than John Jones versus Curtis Blades? Is it really? You really believe that? You've asked yourself, you've internalized, that's what you believe? A huge part of the John Jones experiment is taking the last multiple years to change your physiology, gain size, but moreover, move into the heavyweight division where you are going to have a meaningful and obvious disadvantage from the perspective of the audience. Not from, not from reality, but for the audience. You're going to have a meaningful disadvantage. The greatest of all time is going in handicapped because... And then fill in the blank with the weight. He's going to go, he's going to go in weighing less than by 20 pounds. Laying less than by 30 pounds. The entire story is predicated on that. And John Jones, I think, is going to get in there about 242. And Surreal's going to get in there at 248. Fine. So what? To hell with the story that took three years to build. Okay, I hear you on that. But 
it is the number one part of the story, and it would be preserved if Curtis went in. You then have a stylistic problem. You got to be able to beat John Jones in one of two places to, to give any hope that you can beat John Jones. So you have Surreal Gone that just got outstruck by Tai Tuivasa. Almost finished. Back up from that, you have Surreal Gone who got out wrestled by Francis Ngannou. So, what part is it about Surreal's game that you believe? can match or be superior to John's? And when you answer that question, based on what? I just laid out two fights for you. One he got outstruck and one he got arrested. I laid those out for you, but lay something out for me. I'm happy to hear you. I'll just share with you that Curtis Blade, stylistically, is the biggest problem for John Jones. John Jones' biggest achievement was a junior college national championship. Great achievement. That's the exact same greatest achievement of Curtis Blades, just so you understand. So you're at least going to have the perception, advantage Blades, you're then going to take a little closer look at the fight, and you're going to see stylistically Blades is a big problem. So is Blades correct when he tells you he is not the draw that Surreal is? I'm just posing it to you. Because we know what's next, right? Stipe, Stipe is going to fight him in July. Stipe is going to fight him in July. But Curtis, Curtis says that he's probably going to go and fight Sergey Pavlovich. And he said that Sergey's ranked higher than him. And as long as somebody's ranked higher than him, he'll go out and fight him. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm not, I'm not going to go down that road. I, I'm just asking for you. Do you believe that Stipe should be able to sit out another half a year? We've already gone however long we got, but he can sit another half a year north of 40 and return as a number one contender, or do you believe that that train has likely already left the station? And that's now. That's under today's landscape now. The landscape will not be the same once Pavlovich and Blades compete. It will now favor them even stronger and even more. It's a very, very bizarre spot. And I don't know if Curtis is right. I, I just don't know about that. He could be, but I got my thumb on this thing pretty, pretty close. And I do see where Curtis versus John is interesting. You're going to need to tell the story just a little bit, but I see where that's interesting. And it's bigger, and it's younger, and it's all these different things favoring Curtis. And I look at Surreal, and I go, man, that's kind of an interesting fight, too. It was interesting before his last two matches. Like, going in two matches ago, Surreal got had never been taken down. John Jones takes everybody down. Like, there was parts of that that was just interesting. The fact that, that Surreal wasn't 265, the fact that he does weigh a manageable weight where he can actually move and bend and flow just a little bit. I think they're exciting things. But we finally got clarity. We know who's going to fight next. We know it's not going to be for the interim championship. It's going to be for the undisputed championship. We know that Francis is going to exit stage left. And we know that Stipe... 
Gonna come back in July. Gonna fight the winner. Also announced this weekend, the co-main event for UFC 286 in London. We got the lightweights, Justin Gaethje taking on Rafael Fazayev. They're going to throw down in front of a massive crowd. But there's one guy who's going to be missing from that fight. And I got a little bit of a problem with it. Fazayev versus Gaethje. That's an interesting one. Fazayev versus Gaethje is interesting for one particular reason, which is, where's Patty the Batty? There is no bigger opportunity that Patty the Batty has been presented with than having Justin Gaethje and Dave Portnoy in a, in a public back and forth. To be in a public back and forth that Dave Portnoy, who has a voice, went and shared the voice. In fact, he went even further than that. He went over to the Joe Rogan program and he told the story in the Joe Rogan program as well. And it wasn't overly salacious. They got in some kind of a verbal back and forth and Justin Gaethje threatened Dave. Dave has a guy. Dave has a guy in the weight class. Dave's guy in the weight class is on a longer win streak than Justin Gaethje. Dave's guy in the weight class on a longer win streak than Justin Gaethje also happens to be younger than Justin. Dave's guy in the same weight class who happens to be younger than Justin happens to be a bigger draw and he's on a bigger win streak than Justin. I mean, what do you what do you want to do? You want to just keep sitting here and telling me that Patty the Batty isn't ready for Justin Gaethje? Is that what you want to do? I mean, is that how you think that this sport is done? We pick a guy and then we go make sure that it, it favors him? Because I hear you bring that argument up all the time, but I never have met that guy. I've never met the guy that that's what you go and do it for. I meet guys that position themselves to have an opportunity to be in a really big fight. And when the president of Barstool is now going to put his guy forward, you have a really big fight. But he didn't take it. Why? Why didn't he take it? Was it not offered to him? Now, that would be a surprise to me, because Gaethje versus Fadzayev is on the same card as Leon versus Kamara, which means what? Which means they're going to London. You're telling me somebody knew the story with Dave Portnoy and Patty the Batty, got Justin involved, made the decision that he's going to come to London, but never thought to connect the dots and put him in there. Is that what you're telling me you think happened? We got somebody that got real close to this, just couldn't put Patty in there, had to put Fadzayev in there instead. And then what happens when we tell them, hey, why, why'd you do that? They go, well, gee, I hadn't even thought of it. Is that what you think? It's r- ridiculous and it's absurd. Now, some of you smart marks are already correcting me, right? You're already getting ready to leave your little comments down there, which is it's been revealed that Patty is going to have surgery on his foot. I heard the whole thing. I heard the whole thing. But we're not having that conversation. We're talking about, was this offered? Was this planned? Why wasn't it? How do we have all of these pieces together, including the fact that we're going to London? And we don't even hear a discussion. 
We don't hear a back and forth. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I did agree to fight him, and the doctor told me I'm going to come under the knife. So I kick that can till June, and you bet your ass I'll be there. I mean, this is the way that this is done. This is the way this has always been done. But it is radio silent over there. It is peculiarly quiet. So what do you suppose happened? And one thing about it that I really do find interesting for Patty, I mean, I think that that's a great fight. That was that was something tremendous that was given to him. I mean, Dave Portnoy did everything that he could to be helpful in this situation. He truly did. But one reason I bring it to you is this is in line with Patty the Batty. Patty the Batty has never got involved with calling people out and doing that whole game in the media. Never. And there's also never been a fighter that can get as over as Patty the Batty missing that ingredient. It's never been done before. Never. As big of a draw as Brock Lesnar was going to be, obviously going to be on day one, he got his rivalry with Frank Mir. Matt Hughes, George St. Pierre, right? Like in any way that you want to do it, they all had that. And you might skip the guy. You might not get to the guy. It might be four or five fights. It might be four or five years, but you still have him. You'll still use that guy for headlines. You'll still use that guy as your pawn to get attention, build a bridge and go in a different direction with it. But all the guys that are over, that have big fan bases through the history of time, have that in common, except Patty. He's never done it. He's never done it. Patty's breaking the rules. And it's working. And that's where I'm more interested. That, that That is what I find a lot more fascinating. Whether we ever got Patty and Justin in there, or we didn't. The fact that that would have been discussed, that would have been offered, I can't do it. My foot hurts. Hey, Justin, why don't you go ahead? Come on over, introduce yourself to this audience. Maybe I'll be in the ring. We can build this up a little bit when my foot's probably like, there's still things that you would do. There's a history of the sport and a way that this game would be played, particularly if you've got the easy out, which is an injury, but none of those were used. So maybe he didn't have it. Maybe all that detective work I just laid out for you right there isn't all spot on. Maybe there is a couple of holes in it. Maybe people aren't interested in putting Patty the Batty versus Justin Gaethje. And if all the things that I said are true, if Patty is breaking the rules but getting over anyway, if Patty can fight a lesser opponent but sell just as many tickets, why would you put him in there? We're the top guy. A lot of questions, and we don't have a lot of answers. But I feel like when it comes to Patty the Batty, we never have the answers. If your New Year's goals are to manage your budget better and save money, you need Rocket Money. Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Over 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about, like that streaming service you bought to watch just one show on, or that free trial that you never even used. Rocket Money makes canceling subscriptions as easy as a click of a button. Simply find the subscription you don't want and press cancel and Rocket Money will do all the legwork and cancel for you. 
No more long hold times and customer service or awkward conversations with a representative trying to talk you into keeping the service. Just one click and you are done. I hate when I look through my monthly bank statements and I see a subscription I've been paying for months and I never use. I see something cool I want to try and I end up hating it and I forget to cancel before the trial ends. I know you guys can relate. Over 3 million people have used Rocket Money, including me, saving the average person up to $720 a year. Stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash chael. That's rocketmoney.com slash chael. Rocketmoney.com slash chael. There's a thread. The kids on the underground started this, and I appreciated it, but they were talking about the tryouts that they used to have for the lion's den. I hope you guys even know what the Lion's Den is. And I realize I'm, I'm, I'm showing my fandom, but I do go back to 1993. And the Lion's Den was one of the most respected and it was one of the only gyms where you could train mixed martial arts. And that was the Ken Shamrock Academy. And Ken Shamrock was real close with his uh, father, Bob. And I've never been completely clear if this was Bob's thing or if it was Bob and Ken together or if... Ken took it, but Bob uh, overlooked it. And I even read a book on it called The Lion's Den. And it was the only MMA book I had ever seen at that time. And it was so exciting to have that book. I yearned for mixed martial arts. And we had nowhere we could go. There was six UFCs a year. Pay-per-view, it was a very different deal. You, you wouldn't even know when it happened. And you wouldn't know because the internet wasn't around. So you go check every few months, blockbuster videos, what we did here in Oregon, and they'd have the VHS and you'd see and you'd saw who entered and you'd hurry home and you would go watch it, but you'd have no idea. It was fresh news to you. It's just a, a bit of a different world. I can remember I was out of college. It was called MMA Weekly. Ryan Bennett, rest his soul. Ryan Bennett started MMA Weekly and his deal his contract with the audience is I will bring you something MMA every single day. So every morning when you got up with your cost, 7 a.m., you could go to MMA Weekly and there would be an article. Every day. They brought you one on Monday and on Tuesday. On Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, every single day. And that, But that was shocking back then. So the sport really changed. The sport really grew. And what the kids on the underground were talking about is can you today, and that's talking about everybody's got a camera on their phone. They're talking about everybody's got social media. They're talking about, oh, uh, word's going to get out and videos are going to get out and still photos are going to get out. Can you break someone into the business the way that they used to do at the lion's den? And some people on the, on the underground called, said it was like a gang jump in. Eh, I can see the comparison. I can see the comparison. I, I had a couple of friends that went down and went through the tryout process. And I, I would be able to relate. I went through the WCW, it was called the Power Plant, for professional wrestling. But I went through that one summer. And it was similar to the things I hear about the Lion's Den. And the Lion's Den, as brutal as it was, or even the W uh, 
WCW that I went through, as brutal as it was, it was just a conditioning thing. I mean, at the end of the day, no matter how they were talking, no matter what threats you have, no matter what hand-to-hand combat, no matter who was coming at you or what you were doing, it was just to test your mettle from a conditioning standpoint. And that's all a tough guy is. Right? If you're trying to figure out who a tough guy is amongst the group, you get the guys together, and then you start getting them tired. You start working them. And you will know in order, whoever stopped first is the least tough guy. Whoever stops last is the toughest guy. I mean, that is what it will come down to. So it was the power plant, or it was at Lions Den. They were just trying to get you to quit. How many sprints can you do? How many box jumps can you do? How many down and backs can you do? How many pull-ups can you do? How many guys can rotate in on you? How many times until you stop standing up and saying, come on. All you got to do is not quit. All you've got to do is move forward. At least at the WCW when I went through it. And at least when my friend Marcus Lewis went through it at the Lion's Den. And based on the book that I read called The Lion's Den. So it's very interesting. Very different times. Because you could see the real need for that. At one point, you get some tough guys to hear these guys because I'm going to go and be a cage fire. Well, how do you know? There wasn't training for it back then. There were six guys in the United States of America that were Gracie certified black belts. That was in 1995. In 1995, there was only six Hickson Gracie black belts in the country. So it's not a matter of some guy's going to walk in your gym and then he's going to inform you that I've won this and I've done that and this is going to translate. It wasn't like that. So now you get some guy off the street that's choosing to go into this profession, which is a weird thing to go into, and now you got to find out if he's got the metal to, to even get your time. you got to get him tired. you got to see how he responds. It's not a matter of can he do a 1,000 squats. It's a matter of if you call for a 1,000 squats, is he going to try to do a 1,000 squats or is he going to say, my legs can't bend anymore? Great. Either way, we've got our answer. One goes this way and the other goes this way. So it would be, I mean, you you could see where the necessity, right? And, and I got to bring that up because it's not a matter of the technology or even the flawed mindset or even that it's like a gang jumping. It's not a matter of that. It's a matter of today understanding what we know. Somebody can come in without having to do that. You could talk to them about their past and know that they've already done that. They could come in and tell you, I'm the king of the cage champion. They could come in and tell you, I didn't medal, but I made it to Abu Dhabi. They could come in and tell you I was an all-American wrestler. You could start having a little bit different conversation before saying, put your shorts on and I'll meet you in the ring in 20 minutes. It's a little bit different. And I told you guys the story of Cain Velasquez. Now, how much of this story is true? But it's still the story, and it's the story everybody's going with. That Cain's first day goes into the AKA, he tries to get Coach Javier Mendez's attention. Javier's busy with someone else. Kane comes back over to bother him again. The third time, Coach Mendez tells this big kid that he'd never seen before, go over and kick that bag a thousand times. Then come ask me your question. And so Kane went over and kicked that bag 1,000 times. The next time he came over, Javier stopped what he was doing, and he showed him that attention. So... There still is a version of the lion's den. There still is a necessity to know who's willing to actually pay the price. Everybody wants to be a star, but who's willing to sacrifice? There is still a need to know. 
And would you have to jump them in and would it have to be as, as rough and tumble as the lions then listen those stories weren't exaggerated they really did do that what's missing was the badge of honor the fact that those guys wanted to do that and the ones that got in right the ones that got branded they wanted to be there and it was an accomplishment and sure that comes with some embellishment to make all of our stories seem better you do it too and so do they And could you have a tryout today like the Lions did had in the 90s? Yes. But in fairness, there's not quite the same necessity for it. To close out today's show, I want to revisit the main event from this last weekend which was overshadowed by all of the Francis news, but allow me to give Sean Strickland some credit. So, Sean Strickland wins his fight. And I feel like I gotta tell you guys that because you probably haven't heard. I mean, you probably haven't heard. You either watched it or you don't know that it happened. It didn't steal any headlines. I know the headlines right now on the dirt sheet. Strickland getting a victory is nowhere. It got buried. It got buried in the media. I don't even know that there was a plan to do an announcement last night about Jones and Surreal. I I don't know. When T-Mobile released that piece, you had to go make the announcement, right? I I don't know if that's what last night was supposed to be. I don't know. But Sean did win, and Sean was up against a lot. Here's the guy in Sean Strickland who, who has lost two fights in a row. Now, I don't know what Sean's ranked. I just happen to know what he was ranked the night that he fought Piera. I know that because Piera getting an opportunity against number six was a really big deal. Piera takes out number six, doesn't get the number six ranking, doesn't get a number five ranking. He takes out number six, and that night before any ranking changes, he got a fight for the championship. That doesn't happen very often, but it did. And it's one of the reasons that I just happen to know which Strickland was ranked. So he goes into the fight with Cannonier. And I thought that Sean won that fight. But I'm not bullish on that. I don't know who won that fight. It it was MMA rules, but it turned into a kickboxing match. So how do you score kickboxing? And how do you score kickboxing when it's not kickboxing? It's actually under the unified rules, which has a different set of them. It's one of those things where you guys don't know either, and I don't know, and we just got to live with the result. One judge thought that not only Sean won, that he absolutely dominated it. He gave him four rounds to one. Another uh, another judge thought Sean was absolutely dominated. Said he only won one round, lost the other four. I mean, it was one of those things where you kind of just shrug your shoulders. But I don't bring that up to relive, right, revisionist history on that night. I bring it up because imagine the psychological spot you're in if you're Sean. The only reason the performance, and I'm not talking about the outcome, I'm talking about the performance. The only reason Sean's performance against Cannoneer is not what Sean would have liked it to have been is because Sean psychologically was second-guessing himself from getting knocked out in his previous fight. It's real. And there's nothing you can do about it. I can sit here and I can identify it. And so could Sean. It doesn't mean that if you are Sean, you can go out and change it. So he went out and he had this match with Jared Cannonier, and the result is the result. But when he came out of that, what's he going to be thinking now? And that one I did wonder. Because I know what Sean should have been thinking. He should have been thinking when that counter fight was done, damn, I'm pretty good at this. 
I just went 25 minutes all stand-up with a guy who just went 25 minutes all stand-up with Adesanya. I must be pretty damn good. That's what Sean should have been thinking. But I feared that he wasn't. I feared that he's looking at that and going, hey, that's two losses in a row. Where do I stand? Where am I at in this division? That was my fear. Then Sean demands that it's at 205 pounds because he can't make middleweight. Turns out he didn't have his paperwork done. He had to go and get his eye examined the week of the fight, which explains how he did that and didn't have to cut weight because that was the day he would cut weight. Well, okay, the fight was at 205. Then he has 10 pounds on the opponent, but he openly admits for us, my condition isn't where I want to be and it better not go five rounds. I mean, right, you're kind of sitting there as a Sean fan. I'm kind of sitting there listening to us going, oh no. We got a problem. And somehow, Sean was able to put all that aside, right? He's got to take the fight. They sweeten the pot up just a little bit. He's a prize fighter who lives in Vegas. The fight's in Vegas. I mean, for God's sakes, you have to take the fight. Not to mention Sean, two losses, and they want to put it back in a main event. Do you understand how big this win is for Sean? Only the dum-dums are fighting for rankings. Only dum-dums fight for rankings. The smart guys fight for card placement. And if you're a main event and you win, where are you going to go? The only thing bigger than a main event is a title fight. That's it. So it's, a, it's very important that Sean, who was a main event, and then a main event again, and then a main event again, it's very important that he stands his ground here. He fought Uriah Hall as a main event. This is off the top of my head. He fought Jack the Joker in a main event, right? This is off the top of my head. He fought Cannoneer in a main event. It's one of these things. If that's your spot, keep your spot. How are you going to get it back? He has two losses in a row. The way you're going to get it back is by offering to do something that other people won't do, like take an opponent on short notice. And now he's got his spot back. And it really is important. I don't like that it's buried in the headlines. I understand why it would be. But it's important that it's not. Nobody else from that card that Sean was on turned around in a month. Nobody. Only Sean. And he turned around to a main event, and he went all five, and it was a hard match, and he won. Give him his credit. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. And remember, if you want to support the show, you can leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts like this one from Z, which reads, Chael is the greatest storyteller of MMA. Come back for more stories and UFC 283 official predictions this Friday. Until then, I'm Chael Sutton, and you are welcome. <laughs>